Hello and welcome back to the Out of Office podcast. My name is Fiona Thomas, I am your host today and I am the author of the book Out of Office. Ditch the 9 to 5 and be your own boss. It is an Amazon bestseller. It is my absolute book baby. It is the... <laughs> I remember um, when I got to the end of the first draft of Out of Office, I remember thinking this has to be a good book because it was so, so hard to write. Like I feel, I feel like I did so much research, uh, so much interviewing of people uh, and transcribing those interviews and turning it into really helpful, actionable advice. So... If you are thinking about going freelance and you have binge listened to all the podcast episodes and you're still yearning for more and you are thinking about making the leap, then definitely grab a copy of Out of Office. You can get it in all good bookstores. It's also available on Audible. Um, I don't know if anybody is, if there's anyone on the planet who hasn't heard of Audible yet, <laughs> but I um, used to, I remember getting Audible back in the day, like, I'm talking like 2012, quite a while ago, uh, and thinking audiobooks, like this is brilliant because having audiobooks on subscription was such a great idea because <clears throat> they were quite expensive to buy back then. I remember buying an audiobook was about, I think it was like 20 quid, it was like way more expensive than just buying the book, but it always felt like a pure hack of like, oh my god, I can, I don't need to read this book on um I don't know, like accounting. Not that I would ever read a book on accounting, but I'm trying to think of something that's like you can't be bothered reading it. But the fact that you could listen to it in six hours was really appealing to me. So, I yeah, I got Audible. I, rem- I even remember my first Audible book. I think they did a big push with Girl, the Girl on the Train. If anyone remembers that book, um, which was made into a film with Emily Blunt. It's a good film. I say the books better, but the books are always better, aren't they? Um, I remember listening to that on Audible and I was I was hooked on audiobooks from the word go and then I, can, I think I paused my subscription for a while and then because I had loads build, loads of credits building up and I didn't know what to use and then about a year ago right in the pandemic like everyone else I'm sure you were as well I was really struggling with reading like really struggling to concentrate um started about 10 books and never finished one of them I'd have like 10 books on the go at the one time but audiobooks like felt way more accessible um I listened to Burnout a book which I spoke about a few episodes ago really good audiobook I'm currently re-listening to Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine which was a big best-selling book a few years ago so it's good for fiction and non-fiction um but yeah, all that to say, that ramble about Audible to say that Out of Office is available on Audible so you can use one of your credits to listen to it and also if you don't have Audible then basically as standard they give you your first book for free. So if you know that you don't ever want to use Audible again but you're a new customer you could sign up and download Out of Office for free and then just cancel your subscription if you don't want to use Audible again. Um, and you get to keep the book so even once you cancel your subscription you still have access to the audiobook which I think is quite good and maybe you didn't know that but now you know but putting my audible 
obsession to one side for a minute. I thought today I would talk about uh, how to pitch to publications because this is, I would say, by far the question that I get asked the most. Um, It's the thing that people, especially writers, really seem to admire. And even people who aren't into writing, like I do do think there's just something so... um, so aspirational about seeing your name in print writing an article whether it's you know just your personal story or whether you are writing about a topic that's really close to your heart like having that um seal of approval from a publication having it printed you know on on a website or in a newspaper or a magazine is something that lots of people aspire to whether you're a writer or not loads of people I think just think they'd love to write just one article and have it published so I totally get why it's a frequently asked question because it's something that I never dreamed that I would be able to do. Um, especially without, for anyone who doesn't know, I don't have a degree in journalism, I don't have a degree in English. I learned to pitch just through trial and error and basically learning it on the job, <laughs> on the job of being self-employed. Uh, so I thought... Um, what I would do was answer some of the frequently asked questions about pitching and um, just make it into an episode for you because hopefully if other people have asked it then it's something that you will have you want to know about as well. Um, I've also got blog posts on my website that I'll link in the show notes about um, details on how to pitch. I also offer uh, one-to-one mentoring for people who want to learn how to pitch. So once you've listened to this episode and then maybe you've read the blog post, if you feel like you want some personalised support from me, then a one-to-one session might might help answer some other questions that you've got. Um, And you can also tell me the ideas that you've got. So we could work on a particular pitch maybe that you've got that you want to send out to some magazines or maybe you're struggling with how to find email addresses or how to pinpoint like what magazine or publication would be right for the idea that you've got. Uh, just just so you know that that is an option that you can book on via my website and we can have a, a lovely personalised conversation about your, about your pitching dreams. So how to pitch to publications is a bit of a juicy topic. Um, it can also feel quite overwhelming to even begin typing out that first pitch email to an editor when you're just starting out um, but the good news is you don't need to have a degree in journalism or even gone to university to become a published writer uh, and, and I would know because my degree was in music I studied commercial music I really wanted to be a rock star didn't pan out and then I worked for years in hospitality and now I'm a freelance writer so I have been published for national publications such as Grazia, Metro, Reader's Digest, iPaper um, and loads, loads more. If you go to the press page on my website, you will see all the places I've been published because I diligently, whenever I'm published, add it to that page because I'm so, so proud of myself. I don't think the the excitement of seeing your name in print like literally never, ever wears off. It's always so exciting. So I make sure to document it all. Um, And all it took for me to do that was passion and lots of practice. So how I got my first byline was for years writing was a hobby, I was blogging a lot on my own blog about mental health and then one day 
um, after me being kind of getting getting well known as a mental health writer online. That was what all my tweets were about. That's what all my blog posts were about. I was pushing that stuff on Pinterest. I was talking about it on Instagram. So I was really known as when people thought of me, they thought of a mental health writer. So when the community's editor of Metro did a shout out on Twitter looking for mental health pitches, um, Jenna Farmer, who's another blogger, shout out to Jenna, she tagged me in that tweet and said, Fiona would be good for this. Amazing, brilliant. It just shows you the, one, the power of having a, a strong niche so that people actually know what, what you write about and be just the, the power of people being nice. Like I would never have seen that if Jenna hadn't tagged me and probably even if I had seen it, don't know if I would have felt um, like I had the right to apply. But the fact that Jenna thought I was good enough, I was like, okay, she thinks I'm good enough. Um, I will pitch. So I thought I'm just going to go for it. Sent, um, at the time it was Yvette Castor was the editor there. So I sent her, I think I sent her three pitch ideas and she said yes to one of them so that was great it got published and I continued to pitch to Metro and continued then to just pitch to more and more places and build up my portfolio and get better at pitching so the first question like whenever I post on Instagram like do you have any questions about pitching (laughs) the first question the thing that everybody always says is where do you start um, and obviously that is a big question and I don't think, same with freelancing, like I don't think there's like one way in to become a freelancer, like there's so many, there's so many ways in, there's so many doors and so many strategies and avenues that you can take and it's quite similar with pitching but I do think the best place to start, which is, it's not the sexy thing and it's not what people want to hear, but I think you should start with writing. So don't necessarily start about how, start thinking about how can I get this 2000 word article published in The Guardian. Um, actually just think about how can I become the best writer that I can possibly be? Because a lot of people are scared of pitching and they don't pitch because whether they realise it or not, the subconscious fear is that they don't actually want to land the pitch because then they'll have to write it and they don't feel like they're a good enough writer. Um, so if you don't feel um, confident, if somebody said to you, if somebody walked up to you today and said, I want you to write an article for um, Grazia magazine on this topic. If you don't feel confident doing it, then you need to go back to making sure that you are actually confident as a writer. So if you haven't got a blog start one. I I talk about this so much uh, and lots of people say blogging is dead and that's really annoys me. Like I do think, I think when people say that what they mean is that like video content is, people prefer video content and yes that is true, like a lot of platforms push video content and don't push um, blog content but if you are a writer then that doesn't, that stuff doesn't matter because you're a writer and that's how you choose to communicate. You can still do video stuff as well. You know, I do lots of video content. I have a podcast episode all about how to do reels for Instagram. That stuff's still important, but if you are a writer, that stuff should complement the actual writing. So if you want to write, then I really, really recommend that you have a blog because instead of you sitting around waiting to be commissioned by an editor, 
you actually are your own editor and you have your own blog and you can curate pieces on there that you're really proud of, talk about topics that are really close to your heart. Like I remember when I first started out thinking everybody was blogging about beauty. So I started blogging about like moisturisers and makeup. And after about two months, I just ran out of ideas and really just ran out of and being interested in it because I was like, I'm not interested in this. And that was when I realised you know what I'm I'm just going to talk about stuff that I'm really passionate about and that stuff isn't product based like it wasn't me because back back in the day it was everybody sharing like their beauty routine or like here's my top five um conditioners for um dry hair and the stuff I wanted to talk about wasn't about recommending products it was really just talking about mental health and the struggle the struggle of existing (laughs) and anxiety and depression and um, body image issues and low self-esteem and all that kind of thing so I thought I'm, I'm just going to write about stuff that I am interested in and that was a big pivotal moment for me so think about the stuff that you actually would like to see published and write about the topics that you're interested in as though you've already been commissioned by your favourite editor the next thing I would say um, about where to start is to read lots of magazines digital articles on websites, read newspapers, um, analyse like the way that a journalist has written a piece, you know, what, what, how have they introduced the piece, how have they hooked you into the article, where have they decided to put quotes, who are their quotes from, do they, um, do the quotes show like an alternate side to the argument, do they show a statistic, do they explain a difficult concept, um, even things like what is the word count if you're if you're reading an article on a website just copy and paste it into a word document and then you can see how many words that they normally write um, how, like you know how, what length those articles are so that when you go to pitch an article to a website you know oh well when I when I tell them how many words it is I know what the ballpark figure is so it just gives you that confidence into what it is that they actually want also look at the angle so what is the angle of the piece you know a lot of time a lot of the time an article has to have like a very specific narrow focus so for example if you go to the press page on my website and click on the metro button you will see that um, a few years ago I wrote an article about presenteeism which is basically when it's this kind of culture of that even when you're sick, you show up to work and be present because um, you you think you'll get in trouble for not showing up um, or or you'll be stigmatised for taking time off or the culture is that you just aren't allowed to time off. So that was a new statistic had come out about presenteeism and I thought, hmm, that's quite interesting. I wonder how I could write a piece about that. And so I decided to focus on uh, the teaching um, profession because I knew from knowing people who teach that it's very very difficult to phone in sick as a teacher and it's um very difficult to take time off at all so I thought that's quite a good and interesting angle it's a good lens to look through that wider topic so when you're reading articles try and think what is the angle here and how has it how has it kind of given the journalist a way in to write about a wider topic and the more that you read um articles the more you will be able to find them 
Another good thing to do is to look at what's trending. So analyze headlines and decide like what is what would your stance be on the subject? So when something comes out and it's trending on Twitter, what what would your opinion be on that? What would you write about it? And then write a blog about it. Don't just sit there and think, oh, if I was commissioned to write about this topic, I would write X, Y, and Z. Well, don't hang around. This is why you've got a blog. You've got your own space to write about these things. Get words on the page and start getting into the habit of responding to news subjects and publishing it and then moving on to the next thing because the news cycle is fast. It's a whole lot of preparation before you get to the pitching stage um, but the last thing you want to do in your in this process is send the great idea and get commissioned and then panic because you haven't had enough time to hone your own ability to write. So learning how to blog regularly and hit that publish button really does help to eliminate that imposter syndrome that you get of seeing your work out there in the world. I have been there, absolutely. But before you know it and you are reading more and writing more and publishing stuff on your website, you will feel much more ready to pitch. Another thing that people ask me is, does your blog need to have a niche? And I would say, um, for the purpose of purposes of becoming a better writer, then no, it doesn't. If you think that um, having a niche is going to hold you back from talking about particular topics, then you don't have to have one. Um, in my experience, when like having a niche has been really good for me, just to be well known in my industry and for my, for me building my brand as a as a business it's been really good for me to have a niche but as a journalist I don't necessarily think that you need to have a niche because the editor isn't going to probably isn't going to you know click onto your blog they're very busy they're not going to click onto your blog and investigate and see what niche you write in and go oh she only she normally only writes about gardening but she's pitched me a story about um the building industry absolutely not I would never that's it she's she's struck off the list that's not going to happen um they might look at your blog just to see like is your writing up to standard if they haven't worked with you before and you haven't been published anywhere else so i think it's more important that the work on your blog is just of a really high standard write whatever you're passionate about if you do have a niche great um but if not just write about stuff that you really care about because then you'll always do that topic justice um, and make it the best it can possibly be Another question that I get is, what do you include in that first email to an editor when you initially make contact with a publication? So if you are cold pitching, which I have done a lot in the past, um, I still do it a lot now, you do need to very briefly introduce who you are. But it's not as important as you might think it is um editors get pitches from writers they've never worked with all the time so it's absolutely okay to show up in someone's inbox that you have never met before and, and pitch them because that's what editors want they want people to pitch ideas to them so i would say just make sure that your email um, is quietly confident don't um you want to you want to show them that you deserve to be in their inbox. So don't just send an email saying like, oh, hi, my name is um, Jill. And I wonder if you are, are you looking for any freelance writers at the moment? Um, if not, that, um, no worries. But if you are, just let me know um, what you're looking for. And then I can maybe send over some pitches. Like, no. <laughs> An editor is so busy, they're not probably not going to reply to you unless they're very kind. 
reply to you with, oh, a full-blown conversation of like, yes, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. Like, no, you have to do the groundwork and figure out what kind of stuff that they print and what kind of stories they are likely to want. So go straight in with the pitches because that's what they want. Go straight in. Your first email, yeah, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Fiona Thomas. I'm a freelance writer. Here's my three, here's my pitch that I've got for you and just hit them with an amazing pitch. Um, editors are really, really busy, so they won't have time to deal with anything other than just the stuff that they want. So think about the stuff that they want. They don't really want to know um, your personal history, all the different places you've been published, how much you care about this particular topic. They just want to know what your pitch is and is it going to be a good story. So the first time you pitch, you've got to make sure that you spent a lot of time thinking about your idea. Do some research. The amazing thing that you could do is actually find the people that you are going to include in your article. So if it's not a purely first person article, then they are probably going to want you to perhaps use case studies, perhaps speak to an expert. So if you can do that groundwork before you send the email, then it's going to really give off this air of confidence. It's going to prove to the editor that you, you're not just pitching an idea, you are pitching a story that you've already put in the legwork for. So if you um, are pitching, say, a story about something to do with the building industry, I don't know why that came up. Um, and, and in the email, you can say, okay, I'm going to talk about this, this, um, building issue and I'm going to talk about it um, through the angle of this woman, this old woman on the high street who um, her you know day-to-day life is affected by this building work. I've interviewed her, she's telling me how it's disrupted her life, x, y, z, blah blah blah, I don't know, I'm making up the stories I go. <laughs> and then you'd also say I've also got a um, like a, an industry expert from the building trade who's going to comment on why this building work is absolutely necessary and unavoidable, blah, blah, blah. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, And having that, having those, having that kind of research and attention to detail within your email will go, really go in your favour, especially because a lot of editors work with staff writers. So if there is a story that needs to be written, it's more affordable for them to give it to a staff writer um, and say, okay, write this piece on this this subject. So you've really got to kind of, as a freelancer, got to say, this is, this is a story and this is why I need to write it because I've already got this person to be interviewed. I've already got this expert on board and I am good to go and I can get it over to you ASAP. So really kind of showing that you are the person to write the article is really helpful. If you're writing a personal article and you've got um, lived experience of the topic, then get that across in the in the pitch. And if you don't have experience, then do lots of research to make sure that you've got some really good statistics, maybe some recent studies, or um, some, like I say, some case studies that you that the editor might not have quick access to. So you know this person who's been directly affected by this subject, and you've got you've already booked an interview with them so um, you'll be able to you'll be able to add all that color to the piece by pulling in people who really know what they're talking about so another one 
Another question is how do you choose which publications to pitch to and should you pick ones you already read or reach out to new publications? And for me, it is a mixture of both of those things. If you pitch to publications that you already read, then that's you're already in an amazing position because you know the kind of articles that they want. You're probably their ideal customer, so you know how their minds work. Um, but the disadvantage is that you might be a little bit too close to the subject matter. So if, for, say, you're, a, you're the target reader of Cosmopolitan, chances are the kind of articles that you want to pitch will have already been covered by the popular title lots and lots of times before and I say Cosmopolitan because I have pitched to Cosmo so many times and I always get a no because um, they've just written so 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 many articles that it's very difficult to find a new one um, but I have pitched the same ideas like ideas that I've pitched to Cosmo I've pitched to different publications and they have been accepted because I put them to a, an audience that is slightly familiar with the topic but not as familiar as Cosmo readers and actually has crossed over quite well. So if you decide to cast your net a bit wider and pitch to niche publications then that can be really good because you can have a chance to get really deep into your subject matter. So for example I regularly write for Hapifo magazine which is a mental health publication and I absolutely love writing for them. But you do have to think long and hard about your article because every single article is in the, um, they have 12 issues a year and every single issue is about mental health. So a lot of ground has been covered and you have to find a niche way to write about a niche subject, if that makes sense. Um, but once you get in the groove, this can be really fun and really rewarding. I love writing for a Happyful magazine. If you want to write for an article for a publication that you don't personally read, then you can often find you can often tweak the kind of topics that you're interested in, um, but tweak them slightly to work for a new audience. So, for example, I was trying for ages to pitch this piece about death positivity, which is a, a topic all about um, getting people to think more positively around death and have more open conversations. Um, and it's a topic that's been covered quite a lot on um, public publications with younger audiences so like Refinery29, Cosmopolitan um, but I pitched it to Reader's Digest and their audience are over 50 so whilst this conversation was being is being normalised amongst younger readers I was finding that over 50s were completely new to it but it was still obviously of of a lot of interest to them. So rethink your angles and rethink your audiences and you might find uh, that you have a pitch that isn't right for one publication but is really right for another. So what I'm going to do is this is uh, turning into a hefty a hefty podcast episode. So what I'm going to do is stop it here and I am going to pick up the Q&A in the next episode so that you basically will have two episodes jam-packed with pitching tips so also just wanted to let you know that on the 26th of July I'm actually hosting a webinar called beginner's guide to writing for magazines so if you know you really want to write for publications and you want some live learning from yours truly then this might be for you so I'm going to be teaching you how to come up with ideas that magazines actually want how to get noticed in an editor's inbox something that I struggled with in the beginning but I feel like I've nailed it now 
um, how to get a yes from editors, which is of course what we all want, uh, and how to get paid, which is arguably the best part. So I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. It's a live webinar, but of course, as always with all my live events, there's always a replay. So even if you can't make it, you'll get the recording sent out to you straight afterwards and you'll get lifetime access to that. So you can watch it and rewatch it every time that you uh, want to send out a pitch. So hopefully I will see you there. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.